Would you open God's precious holy word to Philippians chapter 3? We'll detour from Ephesians this week and God willing we'll pick it up there next time where we left off. But today on this special day I want to bring you a message from this passage of scripture in verses 7 through 11 that I call the power of his resurrection. It took great power to create time and space. And we are told in the Holy Scripture that God the Son exercised that power. We're told in John 1 that all things that came into existence have come from Him. That was a demonstration of, of power that is unimaginable. But I would submit to you that on the same scale, the power that was demonstrated when God, the Son, laid aside His glory not thinking it anything to be held on to at all costs and himself became a man, the incarnation. He became a man and died an ignominious death and was placed in the grave like any other dead person. But unlike anyone else, he had the power to take himself into the tomb and the power to bring himself out of the tomb. A demonstration of power that again is profound. It is so powerful that the resurrection of Jesus Christ reaches into the life of every human being who has ever lived, who is living, and who will ever live. It is so powerful that it will reach into the lives of the elect of God and raise them up in glory, raise us up in glory. So powerful that when Hades spits out its dead in the face of the tribunal of the great white throne, the power of his resurrection will reject the reprobate and finally cast them into the lake of fire. Not a single person is unaffected by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This passage of scripture is the personal testimony of, of the Apostle Paul. Acts uh, chapter 9 gives us the external, the observation, what is seen in his salvation. He's on the road to Damascus and he's blinded by the light. You know the you should know the account. 
And he, in his blindness, comes into the presence of the resurrected Christ. Who performs a miracle of divine and sovereign grace in the life of Saul of Tarsus. He calls him to himself. Saul of Tarsus would have never called himself into the salvation of God in Christ. He was dead in trespass and sin. He had no ability. He had no spiritual awareness. It was all about him, remember? It was all about him and what he could do. But Christ arrested him that day. Divinely and sovereignly and graciously. And Saul of Tarsus would never be the same such that he would change his name. And he would become the great apostle Paul. The external observation of his salvation is seen in Acts chapter 9. But what Paul felt in the presence of the resurrected Christ, the experience of his salvation is recorded by Paul himself in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 3. Now, previous to this in chapter 3, in the first few verses, Paul gives to the world a very impressive resume. I suppose any of us could think long and hard enough and write down on paper a series of things that would make us sound real good. The Apostle Paul goes through his resume that he depended on for most of his adult life. And he went something like this. I was circumcised on the eighth day I of the nation of Israel. My lineage is tremendous. I am of the esteemed tribe of Benjamin. As to the law, perfectly obedient. A Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. At any time in history, there were only about 6,000 Pharisees alive. Paul says, I was a Pharisee. Perfect in obedience to the law and to the traditions of men, so he thought. And thus he wrote on his resume. I was everything. I was filled with zeal such that I was a persecutor of the church. And I was the overseer of the murder of Christians. I was at the top of the list when it came to self-righteousness. But something happened to me. And the power of the resurrected Christ came into my life. It's there where I want to pick up in verse 7. 
But whatever things were gained to me, gain, kerde, it's a business term. I thought that I was trading in the positive sense in my life and I was gaining all of these assets. I was gaining them. I was piling them up. These things were profitable to me. They were gain to me. But I have esteemed these as loss. Hegemon, I have esteemed. To esteem, that Greek word means the leading thought, the priority of my mind. The heavy thing that I suppose and think that drives me. That's above all other thoughts. These were his thoughts now. A saved man having come into the presence of the resurrected Christ. Having been called out of darkness and into the light. Having been reconciled to God and granted the gift of faith that he could never attain himself, it had to come as a gift. In another part of Philippians, he talks, he writes about the gift of faith. This dead man became alive in Christ by the power of the resurrected Christ. All of that resume that I just went through in previous verses, Paul says. Now I see, and my leading thought in life is that all of those things, I have esteemed them as loss. That... Uh, Zemin, that Greek word, is another business term. I lost. I discounted. I threw away everything that I previously thought was an asset. Gain. I thought it was gain. I thought I kept building myself up. Until I had attained all that I could attain by my self-righteousness, by myself. But I've come to realize that all of these things I'd been piling up on and depending on all of my life were counterfeit, useless. And I understand now that was loss. That was loss. And this happened to me because of Christ. Christ came to me. I couldn't go to him. I wouldn't go to him. He had to come to me. And in blindness, 
He made me understand how blind I was. These I have esteemed loss because of Christ, the resurrected Christ. So then, we get to the next slide. I'm not clicking good here. Okay. Now we get into the meat of what Paul says. But therefore, indeed, now look, you see, alamin un gay, that's the first four Greek words. That's a series of what's called particles in the Greek. It's really untranslatable. But it's, an, but it's an emphatic thing, these series of particles, when they're placed in the Greek text. And it means, but you know, beyond that, beyond all of that, on top of more than that, beyond all of that, I also count all things to be loss. There is, here's Paul, spent all that part of his adult life Building himself up in the eyes of others and in the eyes of himself. Claiming self-righteousness. Now considering all of that. Says beyond all of that. Everything. Is loss. To me. Number one. Because of the excelling. The excelling hyperikon, the superior, the superior knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's a subjunctive knowledge that I may, that I, to, to, to know from Gnosis. Now let me, let me go back to what we studied in Ephesians not long ago. We talked about how in Ephesians, you may remember this, you know, he said, don't be drunk with wine. Now he's talking to people who have been saved out of paganism. The Philippians are the same way as the Ephesians. So the same thought, the same illustration Paul uses here. Pagans believed that wine carried you into a greater, <laughs> a greater consciousness. So that when you, when you finally fell and collapsed into a drunken stupor, the gods could communicate with you. And this was a good thing. This was knowledge to them. Gnosis, knowledge in the Greek mind was something that was otherwise mysterious. And to the pagan mind, in order to overcome that mystery... One would have to get real drunk in the temple, part of his worship, so that he could, in his drunken stupor, receive the higher things of the pagan God, higher knowledge. Paul discounted that to the Ephesians, sort of the same thought here. The Philippians, any pagan would have understood what he was talking about. All things are counted lost to me, number one, because of the superior knowledge. There is no more excellent knowledge than the knowledge of Christ. It is not to know about Christ. It is to know Christ. 
Yada is the Hebrew phrase. And it, it covers, it covers a, a, a broad array of a description that describes intimate knowledge. To know. Adam knew his wife and so forth. But the word there and the word here in the Greek text goes beyond that. It means that you have become intimately intertwined in the life of another person. This is how Paul sees himself. Everything is counted lost to me because of the superior knowledge by experience. I don't know about Christ. I know Christ. And he is my Lord. Because of the superior knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, number two, because of whom I have lost all things, have lost all things. I have lost as a male thing. It's in the aorist passive. Here's what that means. It's a one and done deal. And in the passive, it means that it was imposed on him. It happened in his life. It doesn't have to happen again. It only had to happen once. And it happened. I only have to be saved once. I'm a walking aorist tense. <laughs> so are you in Christ. I have lost. In the passive, it means that it was imposed on him by another superior to him outside of his power. Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of him, he has imposed upon me the understanding and acceptance that nothing else matters because of whom I have lost all things, number three, and esteem them rubbish. There's that word again, leading thought. My leading thought is that I'm in Christ and I have, I have profit with Christ and loss in everything else. That's my leading thought. And my leading thought is that all that stuff I was depending upon, I have counted as scubala, poop. Man, I got to go scubala. That's a good word. That's the word for the day. It's an awful word. Dung. Rubbish. Terrible things. Now, you, they're, they're in the human mind and psyche, there is nothing worse or nastier. Than what is described by this word scuba. My leading thought regarding those things is they belong in a septic tank. They're worse than anything that I could allow in my presence. The worst of nastiness. My works, my resume, me, whatever I thought I could do, 
Those things, my leading thought, are that they're rubbish. Number four, that I may gain Christ. Christ is the gain. All the stuff of who I am is the loss. I'm nothing. If I get to heaven, it'll only be because of Christ and what he did. It won't be anything yesterday, today, tomorrow, any time in my life. There won't be anything that I can do to add to the work of Christ. Not a thing. Now, having been resourced and gifted because of his call upon my life, saved to good works, I'm unctioned to do things. And when they happen, it's Christ in me doing those things. And I don't even think about Christ do they just occur because I am in Christ. But Christ is the prophet and I'm the loss. He's the gain. I don't have anything. But if I have Christ, I have everything. Paul continues. Now, this is his testimony. It's mine. It's yours. It's everybody's testimony who, by divine and sovereign grace, have been called by God to salvation. So, number five, and be found in him. This is this. This is this. Intertwining relationship, the knowledge of Christ. I am in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. The law can only condemn you, that's all it can do, it cannot save you. A moral code can enlighten you of things that you are not to do. But a moral code of itself cannot save you. The law cannot save behavior, self-righteousness. These things cannot save you. If you try to work good things and in the eyes of the world you're doing good stuff. And in your mind you are doing these things to help add to your resume for salvation. That very work becomes a curse. Because you're working of yourself. And it's incomplete. It means nothing. Now Paul, referencing how he used to count on his own righteousness. A Pharisee of Pharisees. Everything that a person ought to be, if a person could save himself. But it was of the law. Number six, but that through faith from Christ, you see that? Christu, from Christ, he gives us the faith. But that through faith from Christ, 
the righteousness of God on the basis of faith. Do you believe the gospel? Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He came into this world to save sinners. He died a death that He didn't deserve to give me a life that I don't deserve. He who knew no sin became sin, so that I might become the righteousness of God in Him. I have no righteousness, but He takes all that I am and carries it to the cross and covers me with all that he is. And so I am enmantled with the righteousness of God on the basis of faith. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he died vicariously on the cross and he took the sins of his church, of his own. He took our sins to the cross with him. I believe he died. I believe he was in the grave three days. I believe he rose again. I believe he has ascended into heaven. I believe he is seated at the right hand of the Father where there as my great high priest, he's keeping me saved. He's my great high priest. I believe that at the appropriate moment, he will come again. I believe that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe that he is the everlasting God the Son. And I believe that all things were created by him and for him and in him and in him all things consist or are held together. He is my Savior. I believe in Christ. I have been enlightened in my life. And I have understood that the New Testament teaches that God the Father entered into a covenant with God the Son. And the Father, Jesus puts it like this in the Gospel of John. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. If the Father gave you to the Son, you will come to the Son. And all that the Father gives to me, I will never ever cast out. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all He has given to me, I will lose not one, but raise Him up at the last day. I, along with all of the others whom God has chosen, and don't ask me to explain it, I can't. I just know that's what the Bible said. He gave those to the Son, and the Son was slain for my name to be in that book of life before the foundation of the world. And what God determined in eternity, He caused to happen in my life in the course of time. He gave me the gift of faith, and I came to the end of myself. And on the basis of faith and not anything else, I have been saved. Nothing else matters. By the grace of God, He gives me the opportunity to work in the kingdom, in the church. He, he behooves me. He unctions me. He moves me along. He calls me. He equips me. He strengthens me. He opens my mouth. He opens my mind. He opens my heart. He causes it such that I come into the presence of others and He allows me to exercise whatever gift He has given to me, but it is all Him and not me. Listen to me. 
If 17-year-old Charles Owens could have been projected forward in time, number one, and looked how fat I was and then how bald I was, and then I'm there walking back and forth, yelling at people, not ashamed, I would probably die. He had to work me into it. But he did it. I couldn't do that. You're the same way, whatever you do in Christ. And he has declared for all time that I'm righteous, not on the basis of who I am or what I've done, but on the basis of what Christ has done for me because he gave me to Christ and Christ died for me on the cross. And I have the righteousness of God on the basis of faith. We'll pause for, for seven up and popcorn. There he goes. Now, all of that was the introduction. This is the Easter message. To know him. To know him. Apart from divine and sovereign grace, I could not know him. I was born in sin. into a fallen race, a cursed race with no hope. No power within myself to know my creator, my savior, to know him. The power of the resurrected Christ he went into the grave he took death into the grave and there defeated it emerged victoriously the power of his resurrection then he ascended sent forth his holy spirit and into the decades and centuries of the time of the church of Christ Jesus according to the eternal plan and purpose of God in a particular way on a particular day because of his covenant with the father before the foundation of the world he sent his spirit to me to know him to know him and the power of his resurrection Let me tell you, Jesus Christ was born of the virgin, but he was a baby. He was perfect in all of his life, sinless. But he lived a human life. Let me tell you what this means to be in Christ. 
one of the things. I was a baby. I've told you many times my mother used to borrow a baby to carry to church because I was so ugly. But I was a baby. As a baby, born into the human race, I was the enemy of God. I was at enmity with God, that little baby. I was deceiving people before I could speak the English language. Tricking people. I became a child and hid and did things wrong and bad. Christ was a child. And he lived a perfect life for me. Oh dear, I became a teenager. My tricks became more complicated. My deceit became deeper. Christ was a teenager. He lived a perfect life for me. I was in Christ. I became a young man. Oh dear, I became a college student. I became a young man. Christ was a young man. He lived that perfect life for me. I'm in Christ. I couldn't live that life. Christ became a man. I'm a man. Christ lived a sinless and perfect life for me. I'm in Christ. And all of the sin that I could ever conjure up, think about, do, perform, be a part of, or just because I'm part of a fallen race, Christ took from me and upon himself. And I died on the cross with Christ. I'm in Christ. All that's wrong with me that'll ever be wrong with me. No sin. Today's sin. Tomorrow's sin. Yesterday's sin. And there are so many. Can never be laid to my charge. Because Christ took them all on the cross. He was dead and placed in the grave. I was in the grave. All that's wrong with me, it was in the grave with Christ. Old sinner man, Charles, was taken into Christ by the eternal covenant with the Father. And all that's wrong with me was put to death and laid in the grave. But then, to know him and the power of his resurrection. But then, 
He came forth from the grave. And when he did, I came out with him. I'm as good as resurrected as if it happened right now. The power of his resurrection. My old flesh has to face an appointment someday unless I am raptured out of this world. And that old flesh has to face the appointment that has been made by Almighty God. It is appointed unto man once to die. When he came out of the grave, I came out with him. That I may know him, to know him, to know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Serving Christ has brought me some severe heartaches and hardships that I otherwise would not have known. When Christ suffered, I was there. And so I have a companion in my suffering. Christ is never so close to me as he is to me when I'm suffering. He fellowships with me and we have fellowship in sufferings. Nobody can know the suffering like Christ knew. But he can put his arms around me and tell me how he understands what suffering is. And he can comfort me beyond any comfort. The fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed. Being conformed. Sunor fizumnos. What's a big one? It means to be fashioned according to. To be fashioned according to his death. Listen, here's what Paul says. That old sinner man who was counting all, all of his works and his obedience to the law and his rank and his title and his lineage, that old sinner man who thought he was something has been fashioned according to the death of Christ. That old sinner man died with Christ on the cross. Thank God for it. If by any means, this is in humility, Paul writes, I may attain the resurrection out from the dead. Ek necron, out from. Now that speaks of rapture and resurrection. Here is how the power of the resurrection of Christ has been extended to me. I am seen by the Father as already in the heavenly places. I am guaranteed because Christ raised himself out from the grave. And Romans 8 says the same spirit of Christ that raised him from the grave will raise me from the grave. The old sinner man by faith which was a gift on the basis of faith covered in the righteousness of God in Christ 
now gives me the same thing that Christ took to himself, namely resurrection from the dead. Out from the dead, it speaks of rapture and resurrection. Out from is applicable to the, is as applicable to the rapture as it is the resurrection. It could happen this moment, and I will not have died physically yet, but all that is wrong with me physically will collapse. And I would be glorified, but not before the dead in Christ rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with them in the air. Attain that I may attain, if by any means, the resurrection out from the dead. This is the power of his resurrection. It has extended all the way to me. So death has no hold on me. The penalty, punishment, guilt of sin, those have no hold on me because of Christ. Here's the point of the whole message. It's all of thee and none of me. It's Christ. If you're saved, you are saved because you came to Christ and you left yourself outside somewhere. Because when you come to Christ, it is a guarantee that Christ took you who you were and nailed it to the cross. And that old thing is dead. Buried with him in baptism, Paul writes, raised to walk in newness of life, born again. Child of God, I can never be unborn from having been reborn. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he came into this world to save sinners. How can I be saved? You start out by realizing that you're a sinner. And if you'd have faith in Christ, it is because God gave you that gift of faith. And it is strong in the heart of those whom God calls. Here's how we do the invitation these days. In just a moment, I'll pray the benediction. And if you're here today and you would come to Christ, as you exit this room, you will find that there are deacons and their wives waiting in a couple of rooms right across the hall. You can't help but see them. Step in there and say, I want to be saved. Let them minister to you. Maybe you've been saved, but you want to be obedient to the great commission of Christ and you want to follow the Lord in baptism. What a great testimony that is. Step in there and say, hey, I, I, I've, I've, I've been saved, but I, I need to be obedient. And I want to be baptized to show the world that I've been raised to walk in newness of life. You step in there. They'll help you. They'll minister to you. Finally, maybe you're here, and as a Christian, you need a church home. In these last days, let me tell you something. Fellowship with believers is going to be vitally important. They're waiting there. They'll minister to you if that's your need, if that's what God speaks to you and lays on your heart. Before you leave this day, what a beautiful day 
to come to the Lord Easter Sunday. You step in there, they'll minister to you. You do that today. Would you prayerfully stand all over this room and I'll pray the benediction. Holy Heavenly Father, oh, to know Him and the power of His resurrection. To know that You would call me and place me in Christ. And Father, I pray for all who are here. Oh God, if there's one person here who doesn't have that relationship, I'm begging and praying that that person won't leave today without Christ. Thank you for this day, for the wonderful music we heard, for the service that we've enjoyed. Thank you for all of these who have come out to be with us on this Easter Sunday, for all of those who are joining us online. Thank you so much for the privilege of worship and prayer and Bible study. Now as we go, O oh God, use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.